think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Rhodes? Where we're going, we don't need Rhodes. I am your father. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. You're listening to After the Ending, the only film podcast where we tell you what happens after the ending of your favorite films. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Spring and Phil Edwards. Hello, hello, loyal listeners and or viewers. Welcome back to After the Ending. I am Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And we are here to bring you more movie-related goodness and various other sundry topics and items, or something like that. That's right. Lots of goodness uh, or your money back. <laughs> As you don't give any money, there's no need for any refunds. So. Good thing we don't take any money in, so we don't have to actually worry about giving it back, because I worry that a lot of people would want their money back um, <laughs> after watching or listening to one of our episodes. But... Uh, yes, so we are back. We are back a week early. Normally, we take two weeks between our live recordings. If you're watching live, you might remember we were on live last week. Uh, reason for that is I'm about to go on vacation, uh, take a little holiday trip. We're going to miss two Mondays because we're going for a slightly longer trip. We don't want to leave everybody hanging for like a month with no episodes. So we're recording live tonight, and then we'll have plenty of episodes for the non-live viewers and listeners um, afterwards. In fact, that will be set for the next few weeks, so there'll be no interruption. If you're if you're listening to this on podcast form or watching it on YouTube after the live recording, uh, your schedule will be uninterrupted. Uh, so that's kind of nice, I think. That's right, because it's holiday season. People, me and Mike will be going away different times, but you can't get away from us. We're going to be in your ears, <laughs> on your screen, on YouTube. If you want to watch these videos, we follow us on YouTube as well. But there's lots of different places you can find us. All good podcast channels, as I say, YouTube and other bits and pieces. But uh, yeah, it's going to be a bit of a break for the live ones, but it's going to be the old ones. And there's all the over 100 odd episodes that you can go back and listen to anyway. Technically, it's it's only one extra week, but because we're recording another one a week after we did, it's really just same amount of episodes in the same amount of time span. We just front loading them a little bit, if that yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, I know it'll be tough. Our diehard fans will be like, "Oh no, an extra week without Phil and Mike live." Uh, but everybody else will be like, "Who? Phil? Yeah. Phil? And who? Huh? And who?" Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, we are going to tell Phil tell people what we're talking about tonight. We got our two episodes, and I think they're pretty exciting ones. Yeah, well, in our feature presentation, we're going to be going after the ending of The Wizard of Oz. That's the uh, the one from uh, 1939. Obviously, there's the books. There's been lots of other films, TV shows. There was Return to Oz, which was kind of a sequel, but we thought, you know, we might as well go back to the original and see what we thought happened after the ending of that film. Yeah. And we're also going to be discussing uh, Aliens, the film, the franchise, because this year is its 35th anniversary, and we both like Alien and Alien, so why the hell not? Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, um, Wizard of Oz is an interesting one. We were talking about this earlier because you mentioned the Return to Oz, but that came out in like the '80s. I feel like sequels that happen like 40, 50 years later just don't really count. Like they can market as a sequel, but I just don't buy it. So, uh, and of yeah. course, if you are a, a a fan of the books. There's a whole series of books that comes after Wizard of Oz that has a lot of story elements. Um, but we're really focusing just on the movie. And um, I don't know. I, I read a bunch of the books when I was young. Uh, and I love them. I think they're fantastic. But I don't really remember any of the events of any of them. I didn't draw from that for my ending. Phil, did you ever read any of the books? The yeah, I, I don't think. I always meant to, but I don't think I ever did. 
Um, no, we, had, we had a copy of the Wizard of Oz floating about, but I don't think I ever read it. I know I've never read any of the sequels, so I don't know really what's going on in that, apart from things I've picked up over the years. Sure. And watching the different kind of tales and the re adaptations of the of the book, because there have been many different ones and right. all, all different types as well, different genres. But it seems yeah. to be one of those stories where, well, there's lots of stories where somebody from Earth ends up in a different world. Uh, I don't know if this was the first one, probably not, but uh, it's one of the earliest. It's certainly one of the earliest, and, and clearly the, the the one that's like the hallmark, you know, the one that sort of set the tone for all the rest of them, I think, you know, or really yeah, kind of yeah. made popularize that notion. But um, yeah, if you haven't ever read any of them, the L. Frank Baum wrote, I think, 21, I believe, something like that. I could be wrong on that. Somebody fact check me. Um, but uh, I read, gosh, at least seven or eight of maybe like 10 or 11 of them when I was a kid. They are wonderful, wonderful books. I, I, now, I haven't read them as an adult, but if you have kids that are into reading, um, those original L. Frank Baum classics are just amazing in my, in my opinion for a certain age group. So uh, definitely worth reading. But yeah, we thought we'd go after the ending of it. It's one of the most famous movies of all time and we've never ATE'd yeah. it. So we thought, why not? That's right. And I'd just like to, if anybody's hearing some strange squeaking noises, I think it might be my chairs developed some new squeaks since we last recorded, <laughs> just in case. You might not pick it up, but if you do. Well, yeah, it's, it's, let's see, it was nominated for six Academy Awards, including Best Picture, but it lost to Gone with the Wind, which we went after the ending. I mean, fair, though. Yeah, so it's, uh, what else? Did something else I just saw about it? Yeah, it didn't actually make a profit for MGM until its 1949 re-release 10 years later, which is crazy. Yeah, but I think we have made up for it since then. Oh, just a bit, yeah. It's uh, <laughs> huge, huge now, but it's it's strange. It took 10 years for it to sort of become, well, to start being the film that we all know and love. Right, right, right. And and how do you feel about Wizard of Oz, Phil? Are you a fan? Uh, probably, yeah, I do. It's a brilliant film. I think maybe because I've seen it so many times, it's probably uh, made me a bit jaded towards it now. Because, sure. Yeah, but I still remember one of those times where you watch him the first few times where you always forget the black and white reveal, uh, the going mm. from black and white to color reveal and it is one of those ones where you go oh, wow even though it's such an old film it still holds up that one it's i i really would love to know what that must have been like for audiences in 1939 right though like back when yeah. every movie was pretty much black and white to have that happen where you start watching the movie in black and white and you're like yeah normal and then all of a sudden it's this bright technicolor world and this all these colored sets with the Emerald City and the Golden Brick Road and the Yellow Brick Road and all this stuff. Like it must have just blown people's minds. Like I, I'm. It fascinates me that it wasn't a profitable hit for ten years. I mean, it must yeah. have been popular. People must have been talking about it. But uh, you know, yeah, interesting. I, I like yeah. it a lot. I think it's a great movie. Um, like you, I've seen it many, many times, and I haven't watched it recently. But I, I do think it's pretty, pretty magical, for lack of a better term. Oh, totally. And it's uh, there's so much on the internet about it. If we we could have two or three episodes just talking about the history of it, of the film, and all the yeah. various shenanigans that went on behind the scenes with the munchkins and things like that. But you can go and discover that yourself and dive into the, the wonderful, weird world of the making of The Wizard of Oz. Uh, I actually met one of the munchkins uh, at a convention. Uh, oh, wow. His name was Reinhardt Weege. I'm not mistaken. And he uh, spent his last several years touring the convention circuit, like the comic convention circuit yeah. and signing autographs and stuff. So I got to meet him um, at, at one of those conventions very briefly, you know, it was a quick interaction, but um, he was, he was quite nice. Uh, and, and also just a quick note um, before we get into our endings, if you guys are watching live, don't forget, you can comment. We'll read your comments on the air. We'll put them up here um, and people can hear them. And speaking of, 
we have one now coming in from uh, one of our regulars, Christine, saying uh, she watched it for the first time at her grandmother's house as she had one of the first color TVs. It was definitely magical. See, I had a feeling. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I mean, it's uh, yeah. Imagine that it comes on TVs and back when TVs were just coming out, most of them being black and white anyway. So people will have watched the film for many years and then suddenly when they do see it on a color TV, they go, oh. Right, because you, well, you have to think, right? The first decade or two of television, it would have been broadcast in black and white too, right? Because I don't think mm -hmm. they had color TVs, so it would have been all yeah. in black and white. And then when the first color TVs came out, it was probably a very similar reaction to watching because people have been seeing it on TV in black and white for so long, and then they were like, oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> colors yeah. everywhere. Yeah, it's... Uh... It was a game changer, probably. I imagine it was. Well, that's probably why it's considered the film that it is today, right? That's that's right. But uh, yeah, we're going to go after the ending of it. Everybody knows the film, so I don't think we need, yeah, we need to know what happened. But do you want to <laughs> give us your uh, ending? I certainly will. Okay, here we go. Uh, let me let me work out the kinks. Let me stretch it out a little bit. Okay. All right, here we go. The Wizard of Oz after the ending. There's no place like home, Dorothy said under her breath as she entered the boardroom on the 39th floor of the Empire State Building. When she left the farm in Kansas seven years ago for the lure of the big city, she dreamed of becoming a writer. She knew that her adventure in Oz would make for a wonderful book for children, so she set off for the big city with a suitcase in one hand and a few dollars in the other, but with a song and a dream in her heart. But it didn't take long before she'd had the door of nearly every publisher in New York slammed in her face. Nobody wants to read fantasy stories written by a farm girl was the message she received at pretty much every publisher she approached. But Dorothy was determined to succeed, so she took a job as a secretary while she continued working on her Oz books. Now, as she set the tray of coffees down in front of her boss, Mr. Leroy, she glared at the self-important men in the room, none of whom could even be bothered to know her name. She meandered through the rest of her workday with little enthusiasm, and then at 5 p.m. she clocked out and left the law offices of Langley, Wolf, and Ryerson, hopefully for the last time. Dorothy had a good feeling today. Her roommate, Judy, had called her to let her know that the letter she'd been waiting for had arrived. See, Dorothy finally had an idea a few weeks ago on how to get her book published. Since nobody wanted to read a book written by a small-town farm girl, Dorothy decided to stop soliciting her manuscript in person. Instead, she dropped it off at Fleming Park Publishing, one of the most prestigious publishers in New York, under the pen name of L. Frank Baum, an amalgamation of names of her three uncles. When she arrived home, she could barely breathe as she held the envelope in her hands. Finally, unable to wait any longer, she ripped it open and began to read. Dear Mr. Baum, Fleming Park Publishing is excited to extend an offer to you for your delightful book, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. But wait, there's more. In the Emerald City of Oz, the Scarecrow, Tin Man, and the Lion watch in one of the crystal balls left behind by the Wicked Witch, and they see Dorothy's joy at getting her letter. I always knew that girl was something special, says Scarecrow. They watch her for a few minutes more and then return to running the land of Oz. Oh, excellent. I like it. So yeah. it's all true is what you're saying, Mike. Yes, it is. Exactly. You know me. I like I like the happy endings. I like the fantasy of it all. Like I don't I don't want to believe it was all just a dream. I, I think Dorothy went to Oz, but I also like the idea of, you know, Dorothy in the real world. So I thought a little amalgamation, to use that word again, uh, mm -hmm. of the two was kind of a, a fun way to go. Yeah, it's not good. A good ending. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. All right, well, let's hear what you've come up with then, Phil. What happens after the ending of The Wizard of Oz in your version? Okay, then. So, Toto listened as Dorothy and the other humans talked. He was glad to be home with all its familiar smells and sights. Their time in the strange place had been exciting, full of strange new scents, some delicious and some utterly repugnant. But now they were home. 
Over the next few days, Toto came to realize that Dorothy thought their adventure had all been a dream. He's not sure why, but humans always confused him. But he spent his time going around the farm, leaving his scent, checking things out, becoming acquainted with the other animals. But this meant that Dorothy and the other humans would be no help for what would be needed. Mm. Something else had come back with, with them, something that smelt wrong. It had been one of the flying monkeys, thought Toto, but the journey from there to here had changed it, mutated it even more, as the darkness inside it had leaked out and made it one with the shadows. It was as insubstantial as mist, but with a terrible presence and teeth like knives that were all too real. Toto had noticed it prowling on the first night back, and each night since then it had drawn ever closer to Dorothy. Toto had tried warning her, but she always thought Toto, Toto just wanted cuddles. <laughs> However, he realized his barks seemed to hurt the creature, and it did back off every time he, he uttered a bark. So that was it. He was too small to kill it, but to keep Dorothy safe, he would have to stay alert and bark as her life truly depended on it. Dorothy never could forget why Toto barked all through the night and slept long into the day. But the only thought in Toto's mind was, what happens to Dorothy when I die? And that's my Ooh. ending. Wow. So a little a little chilling there at the end, Phil, but I like it. Thank you. Nice, uh, nice unique approach there following, uh, following up on Toto. I like the idea of something coming back from Oz with them. Mm. Very very cool. I think Toto was the true hero of the, uh, the film. <laughs> I can listen. There's yeah. an argument to be made for that. So I, I totally get that. But very cool. I like that a lot. Nice job. Thank you. All right. So there you have it. Those are our after the endings for um, for after the, for the Wizard of Oz. I think we both went some kind of interesting directions there. Nice that we didn't overlap. I always enjoy yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Very different directions. And um, and if you want to see what really happens after the Wizard of Oz, go check out L. Frank Baum's books. Um, from this part of the country, by the way, he's from upstate New York, not too oh, far okay. from. Oh, I didn't know that. That's yeah. A place called Chittenango, New York. <laughs> oh, wow, <laughs> that's amazing. Um, that's, uh, that's one of the good things about the Wizard of Oz. We thinking about doing the ending. There's so many different ways we could have gone. We could have focused on Dorothy. Uh, we could have focused on the people back in Oz. All mm -hmm. sorts of different things, which I quite like because there was a big cast of characters, which is, uh, is yeah. very good. My like initial thought. My initial thought was um, was to go back to Oz, actually, and then I went. I found this other story, and I kind of ran with that. But like you said, there's so many different ways to go with it. We got a nice note here from Christine who says she loved them both. Thank you very much. Oh, thank Glad you very much. Know. And then we have another comment from Richard saying something very Stephen King about Toto slowly barking himself insane oh, yeah. to keep Dorothy alive. Nice. So I agree, Phil. I think Richard nailed it. You did a nice job yeah. with that story. Poor, poor Toto is the Lovecraftian horror prowls around oh. Uh, Richard, I'm going to just go ahead and say I, I agree with you, but I think maybe a little more Dean Koontz than Stephen King. I don't know if you're if you're Ooh, yeah, as yeah. well, but I feel like there's a, that that you feel your story took a little bit more of a, a Dean Koontz vibe, but maybe it's definitely some, maybe a blend of the two. Koontz yeah, yeah, a bit of both, a bit of both. But you can see that yeah, could uh, yeah, let's make yeah. it happen. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, great, uh, very insightful. Thank you, Richard. Uh, good comments. All right, cool. So those were our endings for for uh, The Wizard of Oz, and, and hopefully you guys enjoyed those. And now we're going to talk about a very similar movie. Um, yeah. You know, Pretty almost the same, yeah. really. Kind of a ripoff. Yeah, same same pop-beats, really. Yeah. Um, so, okay, Phil, tell people, well, tell them what we're talking about and why we decided to talk about it. Yeah, well, we're going to be talking about the Alien movies as a whole because uh, this year, 2021, is the 35th anniversary of Aliens, the second one in the the 
going to say trilogy. The second one in the series of films, the one I was directed by James Cameron, and which took a big turn, change of direction really from the first one. But yeah, it'd be just that we talk about that because we do like the films. But actually, thinking about it, could Ripley be a Dorothy kind of thing? I'm going to have to look into this afterwards and see if there could be a <laughs> Yes, so it's uh, we all. If you're watching this, you're probably you've probably all seen Alien, at least one of the films. And if you haven't seen them, you're probably aware of them because they they've been and become part of pop culture, really. Yeah, and if you start playing Dark Side of the Moon right at the beginning of Alien, <laughs> <laughs> that's another deep cut to the Wizard of Oz. If uh, right. go look that up on the internet as well. But yeah, so the the Alien movies. Then, what do you what what are your thoughts on the Alien franchise as a whole, Mike? So, um. I think most people will know by now that you and I are both pretty big fans of, of aliens. I kind of used aliens sort of as the term for that universe. Yeah. But I think what's interesting about it is, you know, aliens, alien aliens is still such a kind of powerful force in like the pop culture world. There's constantly new toys, new books, new comics being put out. They generally sell pretty well. And yet for the most part, you're hard pressed to find anybody who loves anything more than the first two films in yeah. a franchise that if you include the predator crossovers now numbers eight films and really only anyone really likes this the first two and i think it's interesting that how powerful those first two movies are that people are still kind of obsessed with this whole universe this whole franchise these xenomorphs and ripley and all this stuff even though really three quarters of the franchise is, is largely garbage you know what i mean yeah that's true and of course there are people out there who do like and the individual films, you know, the ones that came sure. afterwards. But uh, I don't think not there's not many people who I don't think I've never met anybody who likes all of them. Right, right. I mean, they're definitely a hit or miss thing, and I'm sure there are some people out there who like. Uh, you know, I've heard some people defend Alien Three, especially the, the director's cut. I've heard some people who don't mind Alien Resurrection. I know there's people who like Prometheus out there, although I'll never understand why. Um, <laughs> you know, I actually don't mind the Alien versus Predator films. I think they're kind of fun, like just stupid sci-fi action movies and I, two franchises I love that, you know, obviously could be better, but I don't know anybody who like passionately loves any of the other six films besides the first two. You know, I mean, you'll never hear yeah. something being like alien resurrection is the best film in that franchise. Hands down fight me. You know what I mean? Like that's a good point. Yeah. Even if you do like alien resurrection, yeah, they're not going to say it's the best one in the thing. That's, right. that's an excellent point. Well, yeah, any of the other films besides the first. I mean, really, the debate always comes down to: Are you an alien person or an aliens person? Like, which is your favorite? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I because just think. They, go ahead. They are such wildly different styles. Only alien is basically the ghost, the haunted mm -hmm. house, but in space. Uh, and then you got aliens, which is the. Uh, is how would you describe? It? It's the big action army. It's like it's like akin to Zulu and those kind of films where it's a small yeah. group of people. Uh, in an, an area they can't really get out of, or there's a time time limit, and they just got this ma a horde of unstoppable, uh, immeasurable bad guys trying to get them. And then the yeah. others, the others keep to keep to either try and add more to the to the mythos. And then you got the the prequel series, which which look beautiful in places and have some. All the films, actually, to be fair, all the films do have some good elements to them. Uh, sure. Some nice ideas, some good cool scenes, maybe some cool alien things. But I think as it, as it goes on with the, especially with the the alien films proper, the like the first the four films, you, you do feel like the aliens themselves become more less of a threat, more diluted. And even the fault of that could even be with James Cameron with Aliens itself, because suddenly it becomes this 
this strange, truly alien creature in the in the Ridley Scott film, and then in the second one, it just becomes it can they can become just basically just numbers on a screen, especially the director's cut when you see the sentry guns. So maybe that did take away some of the the initial impact of the creature, but it's still a hell of a great film. It's a hell of a ride. I do love it. I still quote it pretty much once a week, probably me and my friends. If something gets mentioned, you know, they mostly come at night, mostly and all that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I think blaming Cameron for that is uh, a little sacrilegious. I'm not going to lie. I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. slightly mad at you now. But uh, no. Um, no, I get what you're saying, though. I mean, I, I think in, they're still pretty. I mean, they do wipe out most of this heavily. Armed oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know that I, I necessarily. But I do agree that kind of like by the end of it, they are sort of, like you said, watered down a little bit. Um, you know, it's it's I, I really think the big misstep, though, in the franchise where it really goes wrong is Alien 3, not just in the quality of the film, which I think is a severe downturn from the first two. But they made one of the cardinal mistakes for me, which is. And spoilers, if you haven't ever seen Alien 2, I guess, but I mean, at this point, it's 30 some odd years old, or 30 years old. But um, the one of the cardinal mistakes was just killing off the characters we cared about. And they did it in a way that was not respectful of them. You know, Ripley wakes up, Hicks and Newt are dead. Um, and like, you, the, the, you sort of basically negate the whole point of the last like hour of the second film, right? Where she spends all this time going back to rescue Newt. And the whole film, the whole film is about her forming this relationship with this character. And then... Yeah. The third film starts off and it's like, oh, she died because there was a whole, you know, she, her, her uh, life pod got punctured. And Hicks, who is this character that you learned to love, yeah, he died too. It all happened off camera. Ripley was the only survivor. And it was like, right there in the first five minutes of Alien 3, you lost half the viewers because everyone's like, wait a minute, you just killed off two of my favorite characters like for no reason? And so I think that was sort of the start of it. And then, of course, the film, now I think people would have forgiven them if the film was better. But it wasn't. And so I think that really started the, the sort of the decline of interest in the franchise. Yeah, it's, it's true. It's sort of, I remember being in the cinema watching Alien 3 and the opening sequence and you suddenly realize, oh, oh. Yeah. So you were excited. You, you wanted to see what happened with, with Ripley, Hicks and Newt moving on. You know, with, I, I think, yeah, but then you find out that they're dead and, and you're just going, well, what's the... Why? What's the point? Where's my investment now with this? You killed off two of the main ones practically off screen, off camera. Mm -hmm. It might have even the third Alien film might have even worked better than if that was the case. If they just if it had just started and it wasn't it wasn't Ripley or anything, it was somewhere totally different. I mean, it might have been a bit of a shock or something, but I think it might have been more acceptable than actually having uh, three of the the trio be wiped out within the, the opening moments of the, the third film. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, so yeah, that's to me where the big, the big misstep happened. But, um, you know, it's funny because I still find myself going back to this universe time and time again. If they put out yeah. any more Aliens films, I'll be there to watch them. I'm currently reading the Aliens comic series from, from Marvel. Um, you know, I've read some of the novels over the years. I, I if I see a new like alien t-shirt or something like that, I'll probably, you know, if it's a good one, I'll pick it up. Like I'm still, I still consider myself a diehard fan of the franchise, even though, like I said, literally three-fourths of the movie. Well, again, for me, it's more half, because I like the Aliens vs. Predator films. Mm -hmm. uh, not as great movies, but just as, like, they're easy to put on and be entertained by. Um, yeah, they're very much popcorn movies, those, those two. Yeah, totally. I mean, they're completely forgettable. Um, but I do think they're better than some of the overwrought later stuff that came. Um, obviously, Prometheus and Alien... Um, Alien Too Little Too Late, whatever it's called. Yeah, Covenant, yeah. Loving it, yeah. Um, to me, are just train wreck disasters of films um, that that are both 
bad films and set the franchise back by trying to give us this convoluted origin story that nobody cared about, nobody asked for, nobody wanted, and isn't even done well. Um, yep. Black, gooey, snake, alien, monster things and architect creatures that build worlds or something like that. I don't even know. It's not it's not what I wanted. I don't think it's what any audience members wanted. In I know, terms. And the, sh the shame is, as well, I read the, uh, I think, the original script, which was going to be, which is what uh, Prometheus eventually became, but it was going to be a true prequel to Alien. And right. it, was, it was a really good screen, screenplay. It, was, it wasn't probably, probably, there was still probably no need to it, but what, what they did with it, it was good. It touched on various things, introduced new elements, and it did, it basically went from that one to them finding, you know, uh, the... The, the alien spacecraft crashed on LV-426. It ended with that. Right, so right, right. It was, it was a true proper prequel, and it's it's it still left some mystery and things like that, but as it went through, obviously, it went through different phases. More people got involved. Ridley Scott came back on board, and it, over time, rewrites and things, as often happens, just totally changed it. Yeah. I just, I think, like, I don't understand what Hollywood's fascination with prequels is when by and large, nobody wants them. Like, honestly, if you look at the history of prequel movies and TV shows, I think 90% of them are unsuccessful. Like very few prequels are true successes. You know, I don't know why everybody keeps going back to them and being like, let's go back and explain everything. Nobody cares. Nobody wants that. I don't need my aliens explained to me. They're just aliens. Like they're just a terrible species that kills everything. I swear if Fox or whoever owns it now, Disney and Fox could just make another movie with a bunch of aliens killing a bunch of people. It would yeah. probably be a big hit because that's all people want to see. We well, just want to see people versus aliens, not all this weird metaphysical crap and all this other stuff, you know? I don't understand why everyone needs to go back all the time. I don't need to know how Michael Myers became Michael Myers. I don't need to know how Darth Vader became Darth Vader. I need to know how aliens became aliens. Just pick up with where the story left off and give me the next chapter. Well, unfortunately, there seems to be, there's an alien TV show in development, which I'm looking forward to. It's the guy who, uh, the showrunners, the guy who did Legion, mm -hmm. uh, Noah Hawley, I think. Okay. But uh, he's developing it, but it seems to be from what he said, it's going to be set in the, the not-too-distant future on Earth, and it seems to maybe be changing. Well, it didn't go into too many details, but I do worry it's going to be changing the, the canon of things, of the timescale, and if suddenly if they're on Earth before all that. My, my concern is they're going to have it where it's somebody who's related to like uh, Ripley or Wayland Jutani is going to be the main character. That kind right. of thing, instead of being its own thing, because it's with the comic books and you mentioned the novels, they they often go off in totally different ways. Um, yeah, storylines which which show you can do different things with the alien creature, mm -hmm. and the, uh, the the stuff that's built up around it. So there's there's huge amounts of story out there, but unfortunately, it always seems to be the ones which make the big screen just either get diluted or just seem to be. Oh, well, it's not, it's not what we want, but, you know, who are we to decide? It's, uh, well, obviously, it's, but, these uh, things aren't going to be uh, the, for everyone, but at least they never seem to be. They seem to miss the, the point of the first two films, what made them work. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the box office receipts would indicate that you and I are not alone in not wanting what was delivered to the big screen in the fact that they have got made progressively less and less money and mm -hmm. they've gotten you know worse and worse remarks from critics and fans like i don't think we're alone in saying hey that's not what i want because clearly most people don't want it or else those films would have been much more successful than they were it, it, but what is nice though the fact these films you know they uh we don't we we've already said we don't like them but we're, we're still fans as you are you said we're big fans of the franchise anyway i'm still going to be there for i want to watch the alien tv show and oh, yeah. it comes out it's not going to put me off whereas like you have with star wars which just seems to sp split fans down the middle 
with lots of people saying right. I'm not going to see any more like that. That doesn't seem to be quite the case with the the Alien films. Um, and I also find if any of like Alien Three or Resurrection or Prometheus or Covenant is on like TV or something, if I come, you know, if I'm skipping channels and I do come to it, I do find myself watching them. Yeah, I I, I rewatch all, all of the different films every couple of years for the most part. For whatever, every four or five years, I'll be like, I haven't seen Alien Three in a while, and I feel like what basically comes down to like I watch it again, and I always hope that this time it'll be better, or Alien yeah. Resurrection, or one of the, the Aliens versus Predator movies, and then they're not better, but I still get some enjoyment out of watching them. I just like visiting that universe, even though it's horribly scary. Um, yeah. But but you know, uh, yeah, I mean, I think most Aliens fans are just hopeful that someday the franchise will get back to what it, what it was. But uh, we do have a comment um, from Richard again saying the fourth one, that would be Alien Resurrection, was just weird, uh, but it's kind of compelling in a really grimy way. Not compelling, uh, that's, yeah, that's good yeah. to say. Uh, did an Alien Day after watching a morning show of Prometheus. The thing with that film is it looks awesome. No argument there. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful film. Yes, but when you probe it, it falls apart. I mean, that's that's most of Ridley Scott's canon, as far as I'm concerned. But um, yeah, I agree with you, Richard. You know, it's it's a beautiful looking film, as all Ridley Scott films are, um, and most of them, to me, aren't very good because I think he's much more concerned with making the film look great than giving it any like heart or soul. Um, but it, yeah, it definitely does fall apart story wise. I think there's just too many problems with it. Um, the fourth one is weird. It's it was a strange choice they picked. I forget Pierre something Junot Gonot. Um, Guillaume is a hyphenated last name. He's a French director who made like some really weird, surreal French some film. Really cool film, yeah. It's uh, what's his name? Clicked on the wrong one. Yeah, David oh. Fincher did the third, uh, the third one, amongst other people. Uh, yeah. But yeah, uh, Jean Pierre Junot who did That's some delicatessen, didn't he? Yeah, delicatessen. And I think he lost uh, children uh, as well, which are absolutely stunning films, which look yeah. amazing. And really um, so that was that was a brave choice, I guess, but he did, it is kind of a strange film. Um, I, I do actually like alien resurrection better than I like alien three, except I hate the ending on uh, that kind of kills. I think the first three quarters of that movie is actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, I like yeah. stuff when a writer's character, I like the, the Ripley stuff. I like the alien. Some of the action scenes are cool. Then there's the whole like hybrid baby alien thing at the end that just sort of like, eh, yeah, it, was, uh, it was a funky design now, which doesn't, you have the, yeah. the majesty and the, the, the weirdness of the, the, the xenomorph alien. Yeah. I know some yeah. people don't like you calling it the xenomorph, but you know, you know, the alien creature, they know get the right. picture of Geiger did, and then you have the the slimy, skull faced uh hybrid, which I suppose is like some early designs did did have like the give the uh, xenomorph the skull face, but I think it took elements of the early designs with them, put it on a pop bellied alien. <laughs> Right, thing, yeah. yeah, which is a bit, very strange. Didn't quite work for me. <laughs> and as for the, as for the crossovers, the Alien versus Predator, uh, I'm not a huge fan of them, but are they they are popcorn movies. They do have some good. If you want to just watch aliens and predators, you know, kill each other. The first one in particular is just great, and I do love the fact in the second one, which is I love that uh, lone wolf predator who just basically gets the call. He just reminds me of Mr. Wolf from Pulp Fiction. He's basically gone. <laughs> Oh, I've got to clean up this mess. Let's go. I, I do yeah. like him. He, he sort of that predator brought back the the predator from the first film. I felt because he was really cool, but I just wish the film around him had been a little bit better. But it's yeah. almost like those two films are alien and predator movies made in a universe where they really exist, right? It's sort of like hyper real kind of thing, and just 
Yeah. Yeah. I think the first one is a little bit hamstrung by trying not to mess with the continuity of the, um, of the aliens films by like, you know, it was set on earth, but you couldn't have it set on earth before the timeline. So they put them off in the Arctic under this underground, this pyramid and all that stuff. Right. Uh, but I feel like that kind of made it a little bit weird and, and wonky. The second one is actually like, it's kind of a, it's not a great movie, but I kind of really like it in a sort of like popcorn way because it's kind of brutal. Like they just kill everybody. And it is the only film where we've ever actually really seen aliens like on Earth interacting with people, um, yeah. which completely destroys the continuity. But it's like, who cares at that point? Like nobody cared. Um, so you do get a little bit more back to the basics of aliens versus people and predators versus people. So I kind of like it. It almost plays out like a slasher film because it's just like, yeah, I was going to say left and right. Um, it's like a cross between a, an 80s slasher movie and like a 50s, 60s creature yeah. feature. With these yeah, 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 exactly. And then made R-rated, you know. So it's kind of yeah. um, it's kind of not a great film, but I kind of have a soft spot for it just because it's so different. And, and I, I just like seeing predators and aliens against people on Earth. It's just a cool kind of concept. So, yeah. And yeah. My, my main problem with the Prometheus and Covenant films is that the people in there who are meant to be scientists and clever, intelligent people just make the stupidest decisions but we've gone over that many times yes, uh, we've also i just i remembered as well we did go after the ending of aliens that's right and also predator not alien versus predator but the right. aliens film and the predator film way back in episode 50 just back in the audio days so if you go back on our wherever you listen to the podcast and find episode 50 we do talk about what we felt happened after those films yep. ignoring the sequels the yes sequels which yes went on. And that was a little bit of a twist I enjoyed that episode greatly. So yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely one to revisit. All right. So there you go. Those are just some thoughts on the Aliens franchise in, in, in celebration, if you will, of the 35th anniversary of Aliens by James Cameron, which to me is the best film in the franchise. Um, you know, most people go either they love the first one a little bit more than the second one. Right. They're like this, but yeah. I definitely moving all the time for me. Just, yeah. Always been Aliens for me. Um, always right right here a little bit above alien um i've never really changed on that but i do i do love alien i think it's a masterpiece but i'm i will always take the second film over the first one just by this much so um but yes yeah, so that's why we're talking about those but that's going to wrap up our discussion of that uh phil anything you want to add before i close this out uh there's well just say that if you're into board games there are some good board games based around the alien universe there's aliens another day in the Another glorious day in the core, which I do own, but have yet to play because I'm still trying to glue together the fiddly little aliens. But it looks amazing. There's also one set on the Nostromo from Alien. I can't Ooh. remember the full name, but that's due out later this year. And it's got like a full. The board is basically a deck plan of the Nostromo, and it's got all. It's got gorgeous artwork, really good stuff. So if you're a fan of Alien or Aliens, there's board games out there where you can just do it. And there's also a very cool Alien RPG, which I have got over there in the corner. Nice. So that's uh, that's really good. I'm looking forward to starting that. But that's looks it's got a brutal system where you have these dice, uh, panic dice. And, but just it just yeah. And if you go up against the actual alien, you can just roll a dice and they can just eviscerate you and kill you in one go, and you can't save, which is just what you want with the alien. Right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. But yeah, it's, it's, I like the fact it's going from it's jumping from different things, different formats, different uh, media as well. So yeah. it's good. Yeah, well, listen, it's like if you if the filmmakers won't make the movies you want, then you can play the games and make your own stories and make them better than the than the films on, on the screen. So why not, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. I didn't know about those board games, though. I'm going to have to check those out because that, that sounds like something I would, I would enjoy. Yeah, to totally. It's the Alien. Full name, Alien, Nostromo. 
It is called Alien, Fate of the Nostromo. All right. Um, I'm not sure, quite sure, but it's due out soon if it's not already out. All right, I'll check it out. Cool. All right, so there you go. That is our After the Endings for Wizard of Oz and our discussion, discussion of the Alien franchise's anniversary. Uh, and that is going to wrap up this episode. But if you're watching live, please come back in just a minute. Stay tuned to the Facebook page. We're going to go live again with our post-credits episode where we're going to do our top five list on our ATE recommends. So if you're you're watching live don't go anywhere if you are watching or listening after the fact then you can go wherever you want because we will see you next week that's how it generally tends to work so uh <laughs> as always we thank you greatly for listening i'm mike spring i'm phil edwards and we'll see you next time after the ending